All right, let's stand up. Let's praise God right in the wood here this morning. Let's stand up, please, if you don't mind. Bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. As I come to teach today, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I am trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for a supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that you will carry this word today with your power, your love, to each person's mind, bring understanding and removing confusion to every heart that faith would rise and fear will leave. And we'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word here today and by your spirit in the name of Jesus. And all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is the fourth and final part of our series titled, Come to me all you are weary and heavy laden or carrying heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Jesus said those words. And obviously we know that he's referring to firstly salvation. Come to him, receive salvation to receive this rest. Secondly, there are other components involved as well. We need to stay in fellowship with the Lord. And there's certain things we need to do to walk in this freedom and walk in this rest. And so we're going to be looking at that in this four-part series. Now, King Joram, King Jehoshaphat, and, king, and the king of Edom marched to war against the Moabites. And they decided to take, instead of going directly, they decided to take a roundabout route, come through the desert the long way around, and come from the other side so they could take them by surprise. Well, in the desert, after many days, they ran out of water for their animals. They ran out of water for their soldiers. And they were all about to die from thirst. So... Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of God here that we can go and get some advice from the Lord from? And somebody said, yes, Elisha is in the area. So they went to see Elisha. Now, Elisha used to serve Elijah. And then he, when Elijah went, he took his place, right? So when they got to Elijah, Elisha, Elisha called for a musician. To worship God. He understood the problem. Three nations were about to die in the middle of the desert. Couldn't get out there because it would take too long. From thirst, with all the animals, unless God intervened. So the prophet called for a musician to come worship God. And while he was worshiping God the Spirit of the Lord came down upon the prophet. And he received direction and instruction from God, and he prophesied. And he prophesied the following in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 17, up on your screens. God said, You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You won't see wind, and you won't see rain. 
but this valley will be full of water. You left plenty for yourselves and for your cattle and for other animals. This is only a simple thing for the Lord. Only a simple thing for the Lord. Imagine that. No rain, no wind. But the valley will be full. Now God always is extravagant when he answers our prayers. He doesn't just give you what you need. He gives you much more than you need. Right? He filled the whole valley with water. More than they needed for the animals and the soldiers. But God says this is a simple thing. A simple thing. That tells me something very important. It doesn't matter what you ask God for, whether it's a small thing or a huge thing. When God moves, it's immaterial. It's a small thing for God. It's immaterial whether you, whatever you ask God for, it's an easy thing. If God answers your prayer, it's an easy, simple thing for God to take care of it. See that? Here comes the water through the desert, over the hills and valleys, through the wilderness of Edom, and fills the whole valley, just flowing uphill, downhill, millions of gallons of water. God just sent it. Imagine this water flowing uphills, downhills, uphills, downhills, and fills the whole valley. Where did that water come from? God created it, obviously. God created it. Isn't it amazing? amazing? Now, here's the thing. What caused this miracle? Worship. Worship caused this miracle. Worship. You see, the prophet understood the power of worship. And today, we still need to learn that secret. Worship caused the miracle. God moved because of the worship of one man. One man worshiping God brought deliverance for three nations and all their animals. Brought the anointing, the power of God, the presence of God. One man worshiping. This is a simple thing for the Lord. For he will make you victorious over the, enemy, over the army of Moab. So not only is he going to provide water, but you will conquer the Moabites. God will give you the victory of your enemy. Not only will God meet your need, but he'll also defeat your enemy. One man worship. One man's worship. And sure enough, the next day, at about the time the morning sacrifice was offered, Water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Now, that morning, when the Moabites woke up, and they looked east toward the three nations that had camped out there, the sun was reflecting off that valley of water, shining into their eyes, and it looked like blood. There was no water there when they went to sleep. There was no rain, no wind. So they would not believe that that valley was full of water. They would not believe that, even if you told them. But as the sun reflected off that water, it looked like blood. And so they thought, the three nations have killed themselves. 
let's leave our weapons and go and get the spoil. So they ran in without weapons to get the spoil. What a surprise they got when they were chased and, and they were defeated. That's the power of worship, family. God sent Samuel a prophet to Jesse's house to choose one of his eight sons to be king of Israel. And uh, when he got there, told Jesse, Jesse lined up all his sons, seven of them, except for David. He was out in the field, playing his harp, worshiping God. 17-year-old teenage boy. And uh, so the prophet of God, each one had their turn to stand before him. And God said, no, from the oldest, Eliab all the way down. Not him, not him, not him, not him. Till he was finished. And, and the prophet of God, Samuel, said to, to Jesse, do you have any other sons? He says, yes, just one out in the field worshiping God, looking after a few sheep. He said, well, we want to sit down to eat till he gets here. So he came, and God said the following. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 12, So Jesse sent and brought David in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, I've shared this little point with you many times through the years. But it keeps amazing me. And that is this. God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house to go and get David out in the field Worshipping God with his harp. A 17-year-old little shepherd teenage boy. No one there thought about him. His father never thought about him. His mother never remembered him. That's tough, right? Eh? None of those seven brothers remembered him. But God knew where he was. God knows where his worshippers are. God comes to his worshippers and he chooses them for great tasks and blessings. So God took a shepherd boy from the sheepfold to the throne, made him king. Why? Why? Because he was a worshiper. See, God exalts and promotes worshipers. God meets the needs of worshipers. God conquers the enemies of worshipers. Can we see this? Throughout David's life, he was a worshiper. David made mistakes, but he kept on worshiping. And God took care of David. And today, Jesus Christ sits on the throne of David. For all eternity, Jesus will reign from the throne of David. What was different about David? Just one thing. He was a worshiper. He worshiped God with his whole heart. His whole heart. David was hungry for God. Hungry for God. You know, while he's looking after those few sheep out in the field, 
When, when David stood before King Saul to fight Goliath, he put his armor on him and he said, I can't take your armor, King Saul. He said, but don't worry, God will fight for me because when I was looking after those few sheep, a lion came out, took one of my lambs, I ran after it, and then he turned on me. So I took him by the beard and I slew him with my bare hands. Imagine that. Here comes a 600-pound lion trotting off with his little lamb. He runs after it. He says, give me my lamb back. The lion says, okay, fine. Here's the lamb, but I'm going to have you instead. And he takes a, lamb, he takes a lion and he tears it apart. Like you'd, like you'd take a chicken leg off a, of a roasted chicken. He tore that lion to pieces by the Spirit of God. And there's nothing in the Bible that says this is how you kill lions. <laughs> right? There's no instruction manual on lion killing in the Bible. But he did it. He stepped out in faith. Now, some of the doubters I know would have said, now, David, let's think about this. Before you go off that line, let's just think about this. You still got another few lambs left. <laughs> and you know, he did the same thing to bears. And it's plural, lions and bears. If you look it up in the scripture, it's not one lion. No, it's lions and bears. So they didn't learn their lesson. They kept coming. They didn't learn their lesson. But that's the anointing. See, the anointing on David not only brought him promotion, but gave him victory over his enemies. Are you with me, child of God? Say, so when I worship God, God solves my problems. And he fills me with joy. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> through the years, I've noticed that some people don't get involved in worship. They don't get involved in worship. They're spectators. But, you know what? When we stand before God one day, and we stand before that throne, and we see the glory of God, and we're standing in his light, in his majesty, and his presence consumes you, and the light of God just goes right through you, and you're standing in the brightness of his glory, I can assure you right now, there's not going to be any spectators there that day. No spectators. Everybody will suddenly know how to worship God. You with me? We need to start practicing now. There are so many benefits that we are forfeiting by not getting engaged in worship. Not getting engaged. Being spectators. Sitting on the grandstands instead of playing the game down the field. We need to worship God, child of God. We are forfeiting so many breakthroughs in our life. I'm talking about financial breakthroughs, health breakthroughs, uh, uh, family breakthroughs, provision breakthroughs, you name it. When we worship God, nothing can stand in our way. God comes through for us every time. And the devil will do everything he can to stop us from worshiping God. But when we worship God, his presence comes, his joy comes, 
His provision comes. His victory comes. Amen. And we worship God. We are refreshed. Refreshed. The psalmist writes in Psalm 92 verse 10. He says, But you have made me as strong as a wild bull. How refreshed I am by your power, your anointing. See, the anointing the, which comes by worship, the refreshing, makes you strong as a wild bull. Amen. Strong as a wild bull. It's the anointing. Amen. The fresh anointing. He said this God fights my battles. Hallelujah. Say, the battle is the Lord's. Say this, fresh anointing strengthens me. So there's one initial baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And then there's many refreshings along the way. Many refreshings along the way. Or little toppings up. Or little refillings along the way. We need to be continuously topped up, right? We're going to read from Ephesians 5 verse 18. But remember, these people here in Ephesians 5 18, they actually got full of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. They spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 2. But Paul writes them, these people who speak in tongues, and he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be full of the Holy Spirit. Why would he tell them to be full of the Holy Spirit if they really are speaking in tongues? He's saying to them, be continuously refreshed. Be topped up. Don't be drunk with wine. See, alcohol and being drunk with alcohol is the devil's cheap imitation. Cheap imitation. The Greek here implies to be continually filled, continually refilled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be refreshed with a fresh anointing. So how do I stir up the Holy Spirit? How do I stir up this anointing so that I can stay full? How do I do that? I'm going to give you seven points if you want to write them down. This will be very helpful for you. All right, you ready? Number one, pray in tongues. Spend time every day praying in tongues. I like to spend time praying in tongues, and then when I'm driving my car, I like to pray in tongues. I like to worship the Lord. My wife does too. Pray in tongues. How long should I pray in tongues? As long as you need to. See, when you're thirsty, no one says to you, you've got to drink a gallon of water. No. You drink what you need to drink. Right? When you're not thirsty, you stop. So you pray in tongues until you stop, until, you, until you've satisfied. Praying in tongues is like drinking water. Reading your Bible is like eating food, spiritually speaking. All right, number two, worship the Father in tongues and worship the Father in your home language. You can worship and sing in tongues or you can just sing in English or French, or Spanish, or whatever language you want. And um, I like to just tell God sometimes, I love you, Father, I worship you. I love you, and I worship you. I just talk to him like that. And then when I'm sleeping, and I'm 
going to sleep, I just like to lie in bed with my mind and just tell God all the time I love you and I worship you until I fall asleep. If I get up in the middle of the night, I come back to bed and I do the same thing. I always do that. Pastor is sleeping next to me. I just, in my mind, I'm just saying, Father, I love you and I worship you. I do that sometimes for an hour if I need to. Just tell God you love him and you worship him. You'd be amazed how the presence of God will come into the room and on upon you. Just saying that. Worship the Father privately and also in church. Worship God in church. Amen. Let's not be spectators in church. Also, let's come early. Let's come early, get the full benefit of the whole worship program. Our full time available. If you can't say amen, say ouch. But we need to come to church early, family. You know, really, I mean, we can come to church or we can go to, to work on time, seven days a week, five days a week, three days a week, whatever it is you work. We always, every week, every day, on time for work. Is that true? You better be, or else you'll be fired, right? So we get to work on time, okay? And then if we're going to school, we get to school on time. If we go and catch an airplane, we're going to be at the airport on time, right? So now I'm asking you, tears in my eyes, why can't we be on time for God at church? Only one day a week. Hmm? And there's so many blessings that we could engage in, take part of, enjoy, benefit from, that we're forfeiting, but not. We need to be hungry for God, thirsty for God, for more of God, like David was. Number three, read the Word of God. We will not make it on our own talents and abilities alone. We need to stay full of faith because challenges come our way that only faith in God can deal with. I know there's a lot of things that happen in life where we can deal with them, but there's some things that happen that you're going to have to have faith to take care of right there and then. And we can't, we don't have time to go and read our Bible or get faith. When things happen, we have to deal with it right away. Amen? We have to deal with them right away. There are certain things in life that will happen that nothing can solve except God. And we, there's no time. We've got to stay full of faith. Just read your Bible a little bit every day. It's not difficult to do. Amen? You know, if we don't read our Bible... We're going to start living a life away from God, living apart from God. According to Barner Foundation, only 20% of Americans believe that the Bible is the Word of God without fault, without mistakes. I've never found a mistake in the Bible yet. Only 20% of Americans believe that the Bible is without mistakes, that it is the perfect Word of God. Only 20%. I 
I'm glad I'm, I'm among that number. And only 12% of Americans actually read the Bible four days a week or more. Only 12% of Americans read the Bible four days or more. I'm glad I'm among that number. Now, you see, when a nation doesn't live its life based on the foundation of the Word of God, it's going to drift away from God's requirements, and it's going to drift away from its relationship with God, and it's going to get into a mess. It's going to get into a mess. We can fix that by praying in the Holy Ghost. But we need to understand the value of the Word of God. If we don't read the Word of God, we're going to lose sight of God's requirements and start living our own life apart from God. And the more we do it, the easier it gets. Number four, always give the Lord Jesus and the Father glory. When somebody says to you, well done, good job, say praise God. Amen. Always give God the glory. These are simple things. We should, we, this is basics, right? Basics. Number five, let us be bold to move in faith and minister to people's needs when the opportunity arises. We will come across people who have needs from time to time. And uh, if our heart has compassion towards that person, for that purpose, for that need. That's God telling us, help them, minister to them, either by prayer or some other way. When God gives you compassion for a person, that means God is motivating you to help them. And if you will do so, you'll see God supernaturally work in that situation. I follow that simple principle when I'm praying for people. If I have compassion for somebody in the healing line, I know right away God's going to heal them. Why would God direct me to pray for them if he's not going to heal them? You understand that? Number six. So move in faith. Number five. It's much easier to hear God's voice after praying in the Spirit. So number six is listen for God's guidance. Listen for God's guidance in making decisions. Make God guide decisions. If you have peace in your heart, that's God telling you, go ahead, you'll be blessed in what you do. And if you have an unrest in your heart, an uneasiness in your heart, that's God saying, don't do it, it's going to bring you harm or loss. See, God's interested in your financial well-being and your family well-being and everything you do. So he'll guide you over the simple things in life with an inward witness. Inward witness. Just know, if you have peace, it's God saying good. Joy, good. If it's not, if it's an unrest, don't do it. But pray and that voice of the Holy Spirit in you will be clear. All right, the number seven, walking in love of God. Walking in love of God. Can't stress this enough. We can't live in hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, and think that we're going to be blessed of God. We can't. It's not going to happen. We have to love even our enemies. Even our enemies. That's what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. 
I told you this many times before, but I had a, a pastor had a very large church in South Africa. He used to attack me all the time internationally, say things about me to my friends, guest speakers we brought in. And uh, this carried on for years. Eventually, and I kept forgiving him, forgiving him, forgiving him. Eventually, I said, "The Lord, what must I do?" And the Lord reminded me that scripture: "Do good to them, despitefully use you." So I discussed with, with Pastor Bev, and we sent him some money every month through various channels that he wouldn't know who it was. And the moment we sent the first amount of money, the first month, I was free. Free. Whatever he did it was like. Water on a duck's back. It didn't bother me anymore. Do good to them. Not for their sakes, for my sake. For my sake. And I promise you right now, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to do good to people that offend me. Amen? Because I want to stay free. I want to walk in the blessing of God. We have to walk in love, child of God. Amen? Thank you. I believe I will. And then lastly, I'd like to re recommend belong to a fellowship group or join the dream team, become a group member of a dream team group. Because it's in that group environment that you'll be ministering to others and they'll be ministering to you. And you will grow by doing that. The body, ministering to the body, causes growth in the body. Amen? That's how it grows. So get involved. Don't be an isolated person out in Ireland by yourself. We need community. The anointing will equip you for any task ahead of you in life. The anointing will equip you for any task ahead of you in life. David is another example of this in Psalm 63 verse 1. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So you can see David is hungry and thirsty for more of God. Verse 2 says, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. The word power and glory refer to the refreshing of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So David was one that thirsted and hungered for the presence of God, the anointing of God in his life. He spent much time with God as a teenager and his Adult years, David craved God's presence, the anointing, the glory. God did not disappoint David. God blessed him mightily through his life. The greatest king that ever lived was King David. Jesus said this to you and me, Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and you will, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Look at that. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Then he said, for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What a great assurance from our Lord. Amen? Family, we have no reason not to want to give him the due honor and praise. The honor and praise that's due to him. No reason.
not to worship him. Because of all he's done for us, and when we do worship him, there's a lot more coming our way. His blessings are beyond measure. Amen? So, the last thing I wanted to mention to you then, in closing this little series off is, worship God, family. You will be blessed and walk in his presence and walk in his joy. Amen? Is that tough to do? How many of you can do that? All right. Good for you. Praise the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, the victory is ours. Jesus won the battle. I'd like to show you three scriptures. You know, the biggest weapon the devil uses against Christians to steal their faith is ignorance about their forgiveness and right standing with God. First scripture I want you to see is from Romans 3.22. It says, even the righteousness of God, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there's no difference. Keep that up there. It says God's righteousness is given as a gift to everyone who believes in Jesus. That's what it said. To all and on all. God said all twice. Say this, I have been given God's righteousness as a gift because I'm a believer in Jesus. Let's look at the next verse. There's so many we can look at. You must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness. When you got born into the family of God, born again, you were created into God's likeness. Righteous, holy, and true. That's who you are. You created in God's likeness. You are righteous, you are holy, and you are true. That's what God created when you accepted Christ as your Savior. In your heart. Can we see that? Is that in your Bible? Yep, it's in the Bible. All right, next verse. Christ has brought you into the very presence of God. That's where you stand right now, through Christ. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. Say, I'm holy and blameless as I stand before God without a single fault. That's what Jesus did for all of us. That's what Jesus did for me and all of us on the cross. Now look at the next verse. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. So God wants you to believe this and stand in it firmly. Can we see that? Let's look at the previous verse again. It says, Christ has brought you into the very presence of God and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Next verse. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand it firmly. That's in your Bible. You see, there's no... blows our mind to what God's done for us through, through Calvary. 
Say this, God punished Jesus for my sins. Therefore, I'm forgiven. You say, well, am I really forgiven? Well, then I want to ask you, is Christ really a worthy sacrifice? Could the sacrifice of Christ be enough? Of course. God died on the cross. That is enough to pay for your sin and purchase you right standing in the eyes of God. It's not about you and me. That's what our response is gratitude. Our response is thankfulness. Our response is humbleness and just words fail us, right? Words fail us. That's why we come before the Lord like this. We come to worship Him and thank Him. When we understand these things, we've got nothing else to offer except praise and worship. Isn't that true? We've nothing else to offer except praise and worship. When we understand what God's done for us, all we have is gratitude. What else can we do? What can we give except gratitude? So now this morning, whatever your need might be, you come up to the front here and know that it's paid for already. Come and get it. Come receive. If you want to get full of the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, come on up there right now. If you want a fresh anointing, if you want a freshness, if you want to be restored, if you want to be set free, if you want healing, if you want the joy of the Lord, if you want the joy of the Lord, come on up right now. God wants to fill you, refresh you, encourage you, strengthen you. He wants All that's yours, paid for. If you need financial provision, come on up here and let's trust God together. Come right now. The rest of you may sit down. We'll just wait a moment. Some folks not sure what they want. They take a while to decide. Come on up. I'm going to give you a minute to think about it. If you came for healing, lift your hands. If you came for healing, all right. How many of you came for refreshing from the Lord? Okay, I'll pray for healing first. Who wants healing? What? What? Healing for what? Uh, uh, just uh, healing for um, a new heart. Just refreshing and just so spiritual healing. Spiritual. You want spiritual healing, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Who wants physical healing? What do you want healing for? For my hands. Your hands. What happened? From arthritis. Arthritis. Mm-hmm. Come here, baby. All right. You got pain right now on your hands. Sorry. You have pain. Okay. Put your hands right there. You know, feel a warm heat flow into your hands right now. Say, thank you, Jesus. There it is. It's flowing. Getting hot. 
God's healing you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Care for healing? What for? I have a problem with clenching my teeth. Okay. And then it causes a lot of neck pain. And the mouth guards. All right. So I receive. There it is. In the name of Jesus. Power of God's flowing. See, when we lay hands on you, you'll feel that anointing flowing to you. Do you come for healing? Anxiety. Do you forgive somebody? Somebody messed you around and you need to forgive them? Show me no one. No one? Okay. Look in my eyes. Is there anything you need to repent from? Is there anything? What? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you? You haven't? Ask him right now. Say, Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Look at me. Say, come into my heart, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now look at me. I command you, fell demon, come out of her. In Jesus' name. Release her. In the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God sets you free. Right now. In the name of Jesus. There it goes, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes. Just lift your hands in the church. Praise God, everybody. Just lift your hands. Now you go from this building. You will not torment her again. In the name of Jesus. So I receive the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. I want her to be counseled by a pastor after the service. What did you come for? You're the daughter. Anxiety. Give me a hand. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay. Look at me, honey. Look at me. Okay. Look at me. Just look in my eyes. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to talk to the devil. I command you, fell spirit, to leave her right now. Look at me. In Jesus' name. You go right now. Free. Now lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Where do you come for? Give me two chairs, please. Where do you come for? Refreshing. In the name of Jesus. You come for? Refreshing. In the name of Jesus. Good. Step forward. Refreshing in the name of Jesus. What did you come for? Refreshing? In the name of Jesus. Be refreshed right now. In Jesus' name. What did you come for? In the name of Jesus. There it is. Close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes. Put your hands in the air. Say this, Father God, I receive your fresh anointing to fall upon me 
and for me to overflowing right now. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your joy. Praise you, Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house this morning. Touching lives right now. Filling you with his joy. To overflowing. Like waves of fresh oil being poured forth. Yes. Praise you, Father. Just let that joy bubble up out of you. presence of the Lord is fullness of joy.
if you don't know how to laugh, this is how you do it. He, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Try that again. He, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Good job. Well done. Okay. I think you want some of this. The name of Jesus. He, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. How you do it, see? Not that hard. your legs. One leg is a longer than the other one. Okay. Well, did you know Jesus can lengthen that short leg? What's your name? Keith. Keith. Jesus can lengthen that short leg. He can lengthen it right now. He can heal your hip too. Say thank you, Jesus. Watch it. Now watch it grow. There it comes. It's the same. Can you see that? Is that the same? Now that power went up your back. There it goes. Healing that pain all gone. Renewing your hip right now. Doing surgery in your body. Here it is. Now put your hands up and say thank you. Because you are healed. Stand up. Move around. Test yourself out. Do some vigorous exercises. I couldn't even lift my leg this morning. I'm you couldn't lift it this morning. Couldn't lift it. It was the pain is sciatic at this point. Well, well lift it right now. How does that feel? I can do it. I can't do that before. <laughs> can you tell the camera that Jesus healed you? Jesus healed me today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Apostle Theo.